0: Galananchi, CEO and co-founder
1: and driver technologies. I'm Sadir Reddy, Head of Engineering at Esper, as well as the host of this show, There's a Device for That. Welcome back to There's a Device for That, where we talk about all kinds of cool innovations in the dedicated device world. Today is extra special because I'm inviting back Rashid Galadanchi, the CEO of Driver Technologies, an AI-based mobility tech company that delivers a safer driving experience. Last time, we focused on the consumer application of Driver Technologies and how individuals can use it for a safer driving experience. Today, we focus on new innovation from Driver Technologies where it's targeted towards small and large fleets of vehicles that drivers can use to ensure safe practices, as well as a safe driving experience. Without further ado, here's Rashid. So Rashid, it's awesome to have you back here for the second time on our show. And I know the uh, our listener found a lot of value in the last time when you were talking about your product and how it helps consumers and drivers with uh, not only doing the dash cam side of things, but also how the power of AI helps with a lot of predictive things as well as being able to tell when someone's falling asleep and, uh, and things like that. And it looks like the company has come a long way, the product has come a long way from there. So for the listener who didn't get a chance to listen to our first episode, just uh, briefly tell us what do you do at uh, Driver Technologies? What's the product?
0: Absolutely, yeah, thanks so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. Totally uh, enjoyed my last trip here uh, digitally. And uh, I know we got a lot of great feedback online and stuff from the, from the podcast. So thank you so much. Uh, Driver Technologies is a driving safety technology company with a heavy focus on AI. What we do is basically for the consumer, we bring the tesla S experience to your phone. You can mount your phone, receive forward collision alerts if, if you are at risk of hitting a car, pedestrian, motorcycle, bus, truck, you name it, uh, as you called out. Uh, receive an alert if it feels like you're falling asleep at the wheel, or you're distracted, and you know something's coming your way. And then we make it really easy to share both, you know, any kind of accident or incident you might have, you know, via the web. But also, of course, if you just see something cool, we had a user uh, just yesterday who saw like 2,000 birds flying across the road, and was able to quickly, you know, share that to, to social media. So that's what we do at Driver. And then on the back end. We, of course, basically by being a member of our driver community, you're helping us better understand things like road risk, where are there intersections that are particularly dangerous, how do people interact in these kind of dangerous situations. And combined with our app, you know, our mission is to attack the fact that of the top 10 causes of death in the world, driving is the only one that is not a disease. And it's the only one that is outside of COVID uh, getting worse instead of better. Uh, And unfortunately, you know, it claims over a million lives globally every year. And if everyone had a couple hundred thousand dollars to make Elon Musk a little bit richer, uh, we might solve a lot of these problems. But of course, most people do not. And So our solution comes directly to your phone. No extra hardware required. You can go to the App Store and just search Dashcam uh, or you can even just Google Driver. And we're the first result outside of like Google Drive and the Wikipedia definition for driver.
1: That's great. You know, last time we talked, it was really, you were focused on the consumer. You were focused on bringing your technology to the likes of me, where I just want to have it on my, in my car and help with that. How has the product evolved since? What cool stuff have you been doing?
0: Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah. A lot of things. So, uh, we've definitely made a lot of strides, of course, first and foremost, in our safety kind of capabilities. So really focusing in on looking at the data and the research, what are the most common causes of serious preventable accidents and what what clearly came back. And it's really interesting because a lot of this research unfortunately has been deeply underfunded and not done. (laughs) And there's some amazing folks out there, nonprofit, government, corporate, all working on this. And uh, unfortunately they haven't gotten uh, nearly the capital that, that I think they deserve. And so, one of the things that we were able to pull together from looking at the research is that the sort of most likely cause of sort of accidents that are highly preventable are the classic like forward collisions. So, where I'm driving along, for some reason, the person in front of me stops, and I happen to be looking at my phone or looking at my kid in the backseat or looking out the window, and I don't see that they've stopped. And what's great is that if you buy a 2023 car, it may actually have some sort of auto braking for that scenario. And that's part of why they've addressed that in in new cars. But the unfortunate reality is that the average car, even in the US, which is a highly affluent country relative to the rest of the world, the average car on the road is 12 and a half years old and getting older, like the average is not going down. Uh, You look at all the supply chain stuff, the cost of new vehicles today. And so the reality is most people don't have that capability and so that's really what we've been focused on as well as drowsiness and distraction which are the top causes of accidents we've worked a lot on kind of our reliability the the unfun stuff in terms of how do you make sure that if there is an incident that, that incident is perfectly captured and ends up in the cloud so that that person can you know have that video for law enforcement for their insurance company etc and then last, Uh, But certainly not least, we've come a long way in understanding that maybe you're just jumping in the car and going out to grab a quick coffee two minutes away, and you don't feel like doing the whole mounting thing. So we created something called Pocket Drives, which is a lot like, you know, something like Life360 or something like that. But from a privacy perspective, we don't care what you're doing when you're outside of the car. So we use Apple and Google's kind of motion detection capabilities to basically be not listening so to speak, from a motion perspective, when someone's walking around doing stuff. And then once we detect that you're driving, or once Apple detects that you're driving, actually, and lets us know, then we start kind of drawing that map. And if you did get in an accident, unfortunately, on that three-minute trip, which, by the way, most accidents occur pretty close to your house, because that's where you are most of the time, you can still show... Hey, this is the speed I was going. I don't have any video, but I've got this beautiful map with my speed and acceleration. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. The story that the other guy is saying that I like blew through the intersection at 100 miles an hour or whatever, you know. And they may be saying that out of a place of feeling honestly that that's what happened, you know, but it doesn't mean that that's actually what what happened. And uh, it can go a long way in terms of defending yourself, in terms of expediting. The insurance process and the claim, uh, so that you get your money back faster, and frankly, just keeping you out of court if the, if that's the way that things are trending. So those are those are some of the things we've been working on on the consumer side, and then I think as it relates to the conversation today, uh, we've come a long way on the fleet side of things in the commercial commercial type driver,
1: and and the fleet side of things is more of the company fleet and potential large fleets that all have needs of making sure their drivers are being safe as well as recording what's going on. And it's, it's amazing every time I wake up and log into either my Instagram or my shorts on YouTube, I see all these drivers with the cameras showing either somebody else being really bad drivers or accidents happening or cops pulling people over. So that technology is uh, oh. is pretty much everywhere right now. And the fascinating question for me here is there are a proliferation of technologies in terms of dedicated uh, dashcams, if you will, or, or that also do videos. And your technology is more focused on, hey, a device I already have, it's my phone or things that I'm carrying. Uh, how do you differentiate the products that way? And what, what are you seeing in the market around that area?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think we've always had the attitude that we are not in competition with the hardware providers in that space it's they're totally scenarios in which a fleet has already invested in that kind of hardware or just you know has the scale and the margins where a dedicated piece of hardware comes into play and there are certainly types of vehicles like if you're hauling nuclear waste you may want to have 12 cameras mounted all around that vehicle with lane keeping assist that if the driver has a medical emergency and basically falls asleep that truck pulls over beautifully on the side of the road and it's totally worth the $5,000 or $20,000 it takes to put that on a per vehicle basis. Beautiful, it makes total sense. And it's funny because when I started the company, part of why I had a more consumer focus is that that was my personal experience, right? I wanted a Tesla, I couldn't afford one. I didn't think autonomy was coming along nearly as fast as anyone was talking about it. And I wasn't gonna get picked up by an autonomous Tesla anytime in the next 30 years. I thought, wow, the phone can do much of this. I think when it comes to uh, commercial, the thing I didn't understand until we got into this that is, you know, it really hit me like a ton of bricks and, and totally made like a second trajectory for us here is realizing that the average person, I think, thinks of fleets as like a big brand on the side of a huge truck and that that fleet has thousands of these vehicles and that they can afford hardware, basically, because it's Target buying the hardware what i quickly learned is that actually that's not true 96 percent of fleets in america have 20 vehicles or less and 92 percent of fleets have six vehicles or less so what that means is if you imagine like a pyramid it's only the very tippy top of the pyramid that is like what we think of as a fleet and actually the great majority not just great but you know again over 90 percent of fleets are actually much more of like a mom and pop type situation it's a small business that has done great and has scaled to having 15 vehicles. Like a, there's a pool company out here in Long Island where I live, where I always see their trucks going everywhere. I'm just so impressed they have all these, you know, trucks. Down to even more so, the real average is like, oh, it's a plumbing company, and it's me and my cousin and my uncle. We've got three vehicles and by the way, we use those same vehicles as our personal vehicles, right? But we list them as like a commercial vehicle. And there's no way I'm gonna spend even $900 for three $300 dedicated pieces of hardware. And there's no way that my cousin wants us tracking him all the time, even when he's off the job and looking at videos of his face and his family and where he's going on Saturday and like whatever on some cloud platform. And we all have $1,000 phones, which have been very nicely by the phone companies spread out into equal payments over a three-year period, right? And so why not just use the piece of hardware that's sitting in, in your hand? And then I think even more importantly than the hardware, why not offer the exact kinds of privacy and data flow controls that we've come to take for granted in every other product, but not the mobility space? So... Classic issue is what I just described. Like, my cousin doesn't want me to track him. I'm doing pizza delivery for a franchise. A ton of our commercial users are are franchises of food restaurants and delivery type services, where again, it's my personal car. It's not actually a Domino's vehicle. I'm just putting a Domino sticker on the top, right? And so the idea that you're going to track me 24 7 is just preposterous to me, let alone the cost of. Giving out hardware to a bunch of nineteen-year-olds who are constantly ch- changing jobs and you know churning in and out and all that stuff. So what we allow is you know today if you have Dropbox for example, a you can just sort of log in with Google right to your Dropbox and Google says hey I'm going to share my my name and my email but not my social security number or any personal information with Dropbox and it just makes the sign in process easy. So we make it that you can be using the driver app for personal, you can join any number of organizations. You can understand exactly what you're sharing with that organization and why. And that organization could be your family, could be a boss, it could be a fleet, you know, anything, anything. and we just make it super easy to kind of sign into those types of things and share what you want to share. So you might say, okay, I'm going to share my score with my insurance company. I might share my location when I'm driving with my family. Uh, And I might only share a video with my fleet owner, which might be my cousin who owns our plumbing company. If there's like an accident kind of thing detected, and then we're just trying to protect the the business. Long-winded answer, but I think it's just sort of, when you imagine what TomTom and Garmin, you know, were doing in 1995, uh, it's a great product. And there are people who still buy those from Walmart and want that dedicated piece of hardware. But I think the 99% of us are like, I'll take Google Maps, right? so it's on my phone.
1: Yeah. And uh, it, it's amazing how I can relate back to a story I worked at Intuit and I ran the platform organization for them. And most, uh, until I went there, I thought of business as the large businesses, the Walmarts and the uh, Monsantos and things but uh, some 95 upwards percent of business is actually very small businesses. And I can also relate to the gig economy that you're talking about, where really I could be an Uber and a Lyft driver, and I'll go where, where I feel, find most lucrative. And that sounds like a great way. Interestingly, are you targeting the larger companies as well as part of your offering?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, economics are economics, right? And so there's a Uh, a combination of wanting to protect your bottom line and I think a growing interest in providing drivers if you do have the money as a big corporation with a dedicated like work phone basically which is an interesting trend we've seen I think a lot of folks are kind of transitioning from this thing where oh, you use your personal phone for work but then you're going to have to put this software on it that like manage to make sure that it's secure we're gonna reimburse part of your cell phone plan every month, which means we have to hire a bunch of people to like figure out what percentage of each person's plan gets managed. And then as you kind of called out, even the big companies are participating in the sharing economy. So for example, a ton of our drivers are like Walmart Spark drivers, where they're effectively part of a sharing economy kind of experience, or like you can see those, uh, like not every Amazon delivery comes from a van that says Amazon anymore, right? I can be the last mile distributor for Amazon but maybe I'm also doing four other jobs, right? So it just creates a platform where a company can easily provide you with the tools you want, the privacy you want at an incredibly low price and only share the data when it makes sense when you're on the shift, you know, when you're actually working with them and only share the data you want to share, you know, like, why do you need a 24-hour stream of my face if you could just find out that I'm not distracted and drowsy? You don't actually need to see me.
1: Awesome. There's an aspect of employee empowerment and coaching and transparency that uh, that also comes through with a solution like that. Are you thinking about this area? Do you have uh, thoughts and and maybe a product even?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, that, I love that we were able to get the name Driver because it just sums up so much of you know our, what our thought process is. Is that we're not called like Fleet Manager or like big corporate, you know, uh, our, our real perspective is you can mandate stuff to your drivers, but at the end of the day, if they don't feel comfortable with it, if they don't like it, if they don't see the value, they're not going to adhere. They're not going to use it well. It's going to break. They're going to hang their hat on the camera. It's going to, you know, and it's in that moment where they're sick and tired of being like watched. It's something bad happens. And then they'll realize, oh, I wish I'd had that, right? Or you, you know, are trying to scale. And so it's expensive to put in hardware. So you go for the camera that doesn't have the safety alerts and you end up not preventing an accident kind of And so you only really win if the driver actually likes it and wants to use it both personally and, and at work. And so we think a lot about that stuff of, you know, how do we make it so that we can, for example, coach someone to be a smoother driver, a safer driver, a more fuel efficient driver but create the kind of platform where maybe the boss just sees feedback on the entire fleet at a a high level instead of at the per driver level. So he or she can coach their franchise, you know, drivers, a bunch of 19 year old kids. Hey, everybody, everyone's speeding. (laughs) Can we please take it down 10 miles an hour less? Here's a bunch of data about why driving 60 instead of 70 saves us fuel and saves, you know, lowers risk. So basically within the app, you can get both real-time alerts that can just be for you. You can get coaching afterwards. You can go look at any trip and say, hey, where did I hard break? You know, where did I hard accelerate? Where did I have a near near accident kind of situation? Study that. And you don't have to share all that stuff. It's totally up to the organization.
1: Awesome. So now we talked a lot about the device and what we can do on the cameras and in the car, etc. How's your cloud technology coming up to speed? And what new cool gadgetry and toys do you have on that front?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's been a huge amount of effort. I just have so much respect for our team. You know, we've got a team that's incredibly experienced on both the mobile and cloud side. And it's one of those things where if you do well, you can quickly be drowning in AWS and Google Cloud expenses if you don't already have the experience and the knowledge, which I certainly didn't have, of how to manage that kind of data flow, right? And so since the last time we spoke, we've probably 10 xed the amount of data that our users are dealing with, managing themselves. You know, that's a big part of what we're doing. And it could be very expensive. And the thing you don't want is that the time you get in an accident is the piece of data that we screw up, right? That we overwrite because it's too old or something. Right? And so Our drivers are now doing millions of miles a month of driving, which is a lot of data. And uh, we're very concerned about privacy and security, anonymization. We do all this stuff as it comes through our pipeline to make sure that someone can't figure out who who this driver is and kind of like back into location and things like that. So yeah, it's a lot of work. And uh, some of it is really fun to see. So as a user, you can go in, like I was saying, and search for moments where you had a near accident or you were tailgating right so we use ai to say okay how fast is this vehicle going how far away is the vehicle in front of you and does that constitute tailgating and should we coach somebody on it you can see a bunch of amalgamated data on like we were saying on the last call like basically a fitbit for your driving right you can say how many miles am i driving you know am i keeping up with where my lease says i can be and all this kind of stuff but a lot of it is not visible hard work under the surface to, you know, manage cost and make sure the data is available when people
1: want it. And I totally hear you about the AWS and Google costs and how quickly you can be drowning in those bills. In fact, we are, and for the entrepreneur who's listening to us, that's a great tip. Be aware of your costs on the cloud, which inevitably you're going to be on the one of the cloud vendors and just be aware and control the costs from, from the beginning.
0: Yeah. And, and, Honestly, just try to hire someone who has learned. I always tell people, it's like, yes, experience helps you pick what to do. But more importantly, that experience tells you what not to do. Like, here are the three things we tried at three other companies that didn't go well. So we're not going to do that. Right, And that, that's helped us a lot, I think, with our team.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of cost, I'm going to switch to the business side of things a little bit. You are a startup. You're a young company in a world that's post-COVID, that's going through some turmoil on the economy. And, and it's got to be a very interesting fundraising, VC communication type of environment right now. What are you seeing out there? What, what are your experiences?
0: Interesting is a really nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty horrible, you know. You can see it throughout the market, right? Big publicly traded companies, people are asking really hard questions about their valuations and their revenue multiples. You look at all the big tech companies, Facebook, Google, you know, everybody's having massive layoffs. Twitter's its own thing. <laughs> uh, you know, and often in ways that are very drastic and not very um, thoughtful of the human experience of, of being a part of one of those layoffs. And of course, that has an effect on investor sentiments and perspective of investors. And I think over the last two quarters, investors have rightfully, abruptly changed their perspective from what's the new hot thing I want to invest into? How do I make sure my portfolio survives this down market experience? which is shocking to everyone because it's the first time since like 2008 that there's been any kind of market correction, right? Everything has just been unsustainably up and to the right. I spent about six years on the investor side prior to starting Driver. And so I have a little bit more sympathy maybe for investors than the average entrepreneur. And I understand that not only are they looking at their own portfolio, but their own LPs and their own corporate structure. They're asking tough questions of, what are the valuations of the companies you're investing in and why? And what are you going to actually see a return from any of these moonshot ideas? And so all of this is creating a very, very, I mean, the most challenging environment I've certainly ever seen. So yeah, it's been quite a journey, uh, but I am very excited to, to say that we are uh, successfully putting together a fundraising round right now. And it looks like it's you know basically exactly what we went out to put together very much so, you know, with support of our existing investors like IA Capital, which is an incredible VC fund out of New York and Connecticut that's, that led our Series A round, folks like uh, State Auto and Liberty Mutual, Mild Fund, the Social Entrepreneurs Fund, you know, just a number of existing investors as well are participating to, to support us, but then some new new folks as well. So we feel very blessed, uh, incredibly blessed, but it's been a rough a rough journey for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, we uh, at Esper 2 we have incredible support from our investors and things. But the, the perspective that's changed from them is, is they've gone from a growth at all costs to really looking at margins and looking at uh, sustainability and stability and scalability of the company and things, which is a very different environment yeah. to operate in. And I want to wish you all the very best with your uh, fundraising. I hope uh, I'll be watching very closely.
0: Yes, we should have an announcement very soon. I'm just waiting for the the ink to dry before we actually say anything publicly. And, um, you know, I think to your point, we were lucky in that from the get go. Part of why we launched this effort is that we saw that people were spending hundreds of billions of dollars on autonomous cars and that it may not be realistic at all or not in the near future. And that for relative to that, <laughs> an almost infinitesimal amount of money, a, a grain of sand in the in, on the beach, you could achieve what we're trying to achieve here and do it in a way that actually ends up being profitable very quickly on Silicon Valley standards. Uh, and I think that's something very different for the market. And as we were saying earlier on, there's almost a counter cyclical thing or counter market thing going on with our product where everything is about grow at all costs, you might say, I don't care about spending $300 plus a monthly fee of $70 a month per driver in my fleet because I'm getting safety and accountability and my fleet looks cool with this cool technology and we're gonna grow and it'll make up for the cost. In a world where you're being realistic and saying, we may not grow this year, and the best way to improve our bottom line is to lower fraud, to lower accidents, to lower claims, to expedite any kind of claim that occurs, and use devices that people already have or a low-cost phone type solution. Suddenly, we seem even more appealing. Uh, so that's kind of a big differentiator between us and some of the some of the other approaches out there.
1: Very cool. So where, where are you taking the company? Where are you going next year?
0: Yeah. It's very exciting to be able to think about that now that we're kind of clearing the fundraising hurdle. We have two major focus areas this year. One is that last summer we launched driver premium, which is our more consumer. But again, as we've discussed at the end of the day, the consumer could easily be a sharing economy driver or a delivery driver or a bummer or a fleet driver. So it's kind of like we think of consumer and Personal is the same. So it's a great product. You basically get roadside assistance, gas discounts, cloud storage for your trips, advanced safety features, things like that. And that's been really resonating with people. So we've done basically no marketing at all for that product because we knew we were coming into this tough fundraising environment. But every month we've had like 30% growth. We've got thousands of folks using it uh, and loving it and, and continuing to use it on a daily basis, which is great to see. So basically one of the big pushes would be taking that much more public. So looking at marketing, looking at partnerships, ways to get the word out about this driver premium and, and just the driver app in general. So hopefully going from a, a growing group of folks, but actually pushing out that, that marketing and partnerships, things like radio and gas station TVs, and billboards, and you know, all, those, all those things. And then the second side of it is really that fleet approach. And so one thing we've recognized is that many professional fleets already have some sort of software or hardware in their fleet system, GPS tracking, location tracking, et cetera. And they tend to have a trusted uh, provider of those services, which basically is thought of as like a technology reseller. And so we put a lot of legwork over the last year in getting on those fleet management platforms for the more sophisticated fleets getting to know these resellers and enabling them to sell to the the fleets that they already uh, have that trusted relationship with, both in the U.S., but also abroad. We just signed a partnership with the largest fleet reseller in Mexico, for example, They've got over 100,000 vehicles on their platform. And now they're going to be offering driver to them, as well as places like Japan, Hong Kong, China, all world. It should be a fun year.
1: The world is your oyster, as they say. I'm gonna rewind a little bit and ask you about some of uh, your own stuff. I had fascinating discussion with you the last time about gadgetry and how you built your first computer. And And I especially remember talking about your teacher who inspired you so much uh, to build your first, I think it was a laptop that you built and things yeah, so
0: desktop, desktop. it's funny desktop. i remember i remember thinking about the laptop and talking to him about it and him being like you don't want to build a laptop <laughs>
1: it's much easier <laughs> good, when you've got more space. <laughs> yeah good, good advice so what are you seeing in the on the device gadget side of things that excites you these days
0: good question well i'll give a shameless plug first which is that, again, I think since the last time we talked, we released the driver cooler mount, which you can get on Amazon now uh, or through our website and then get to Amazon. And it's a, you know, if you drive, regardless of whether you're using our app, like it's a a plug for our app, but also if you don't like the app, no problem. Uh, If you drive anywhere where it's sunny and hot and you want to have your phone in a good safe position up on the dash where you're not looking down in your, Cup holder and everything. The one downside is that the sun goes through that lens of that phone and it gets hot very easily, even if it's like a cold day, but a very sunny day. This really came from talking to fleet drivers who had already been mounting their phone, wanting to do navigation and Siri for phone calls and things like that. And I'm like, Yeah, it's just it's such a bummer when the phone overheats and like locks up. So we built a phone mount, which has dual fans and a heat sink in it and can actually drop the phone's temperature by 50 degrees. It's a very significant difference in protecting the phone. And so, yeah, that's, that's a shameless plug for our new mounts. They've been doing very well.
1: And sounds like cool technology too.
0: Uh, uh-huh, there you go. Exactly. There's lots of puns around our company. <laughs> um, another thing that has been good to see, I think, is a growing number of devices that can make it basically easier to go into driving mode. So if you're a professional driver, you know you may not want to get distracted by robo calls and random texts and you know Twitter updates and all that stuff. And you just want to focus on your job when you get in the car. So we have a couple of partnerships with folks like uh, there's a company called no Cell, where basically you can set it up. So like, oh, okay, when I'm in my fleet vehicle, I get in there, I pop my phone up there and like the RFID chip and the mount just tells the phone, hey, this is, he's working. And then it'll put phone calls to voicemail and all that stuff. And then when you get out, it goes back to normal. You don't have to go through and actually like change anything. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, maybe those are my two.
1: <laughs> that's awesome, awesome. So where would a bloke like me go to get the driver app and sign up and start using it? Well,
0: you can either uh, just search Dashcam in the app store and you'll find us there in the first result. Uh, or you can go to drivertechnologies.com.
1: Great. And how about your uh, Twitter, LinkedIn? Where are you present the most?
0: Totally, yeah. If you go on Instagram or any of those platforms and just search for Driver Technologies, we'll, we'll come
1: up. Awesome. There you have it, folks. That's Rashid Galadanchi from Driver Technologies where not only an individual driver can benefit from their technology, but also fleets of devices can be secured as well as ensure safe driving experiences. There's always something new happening in the device world. And if you want to learn more, listen to this podcast or come to esper.io to learn more about dedicated devices. This is Sudhir, and this has been There's a Device for That. This is There's a Device for That. And you can get a new episode every Tuesday. Please be sure to subscribe. There's a device for that is brought to you by Esper, the industry's first and leading DevOps platform for device fleets. If you're interested in learning more about how Esper can help you better manage your device fleet, reach out, go to esper.io or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn at EsperDev at E-S-P-E-R-D-E-V. Thank you for listening. I'll see you on the next episode of There's a Device for That.